welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski, here as usual with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Great, how are you? Oh, doing well. Got new movies to talk about, so it's always a good time. Yes, it's very exciting. Movies are, are in theaters again. That's right. So. And you can have popcorn again, so it's yes. all is right with the world. Oh, the all-important popcorn, all is right with the world. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about some really great films here that uh, that are going to be available, or that are now available in the movie theaters. So all is actually, you're right, all is right with the world completely. Um, The first one we're going to talk about is a film I think everybody's heard a lot about. Uh, It's the latest from Pedro Almodovar, and it's called Parallel Mothers. Starring Penelope Cruz, of course, who's getting uh, a lot of attention, a lot of praise for her portrayal. She plays Janice, one of two women that we follow through their pregnancies and then through their subsequent relationship as friends. Um, and then it gets more complicated because it's a, you know, it's a, an Almodovar film. Um, they're single, they, they, they're both single, they meet by accident in the hospital room. And so this is a very bonding experience for them, understandably. And uh, Janice, uh, there's a big difference between them. Janice is middle-aged, you know, uh, she doesn't regret being pregnant at all. Whereas the other woman, Anna, is adolescent. She's so scared. Uh, she doesn't, you know, she wishes di- this didn't happen and uh, she's kind of traumatized. What happens is also that at the same time, Janice c- encourages an, a, an archaeologist to start an investigation to eventually unearth a mass grave and will not only unearth the bodies of her grandfather and other men who were unjustly taken by the fascists. Um, and shot, but also will unearth a lot of proof, a lot of, you know, it's a reckoning with the past that will be happening. Um, And it's a personal reckoning, but, you know, the film has a lot of repercussions in terms of history. And Amodavar is like very serious about um, the importance of knowing history, of remembering history, but of like getting, getting the facts all about history and and what's incredible about the film is that the way that it creates this interconnectedness between past and present um between the personal and the political and it's it, it's in some ways like i said it's an an active recovery but it's also a mode of art he employs like signature techniques it's like drama a little bit of melodrama a little bit of like out of this world, fantastical kind of situations. There's some very sober realism in there and uh, the vibrant colors. Like it creates this sort of push and pull of all sorts of different elements. And it creates this very rich context for all of this to go on. I don't think it would be um, a very probable story in someone else's hands, but he weaves it together so masterfully I think that this, I think this really shows a lot of growth on his part, which is amazing because this is his 22nd feature. It shows that a that someone of that caliber of filmmaking is still capable of going deeper and deeper and giving us 
this kind of uh, deep statement about bonds um, and also this rich story that where interconnectedness starts to get more complicated and complicated and, and when things come together in this film, you know, in the like penultimate kind of scenes, it really, it really it's mind boggling, uh, you know, in the most fascinating way. Yeah, it's an inter- it's a very interesting film. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's my favorite Amadovar film. Um, I might need to revisit this one again, but I was quite impressed with how he weaves together essentially two different narratives because you have the story of um, Janice and Anna and their bonds and the fact that they've both given birth at the same time and, you know, the friendship that grows and even there's various levels to that friendship that you don't quite see coming. And then you also have this historical through line that the film kind of keeps hinting at at the beginning, but then becomes a a lot more prominent as you get towards the end. And as the, I guess, chaos is kind of happening in the women's lives and their bonds, you know, almost like that kind of whirlwind is almost unearthing parts of the past in, in Yanis and how, you know, all that ties in. It's, it's quite an achievement. And I, I mean, this is one of those films where you could easily have just had, the story just be about the two women um, and their their friendship on its own. And it would still be as fascinating a a film. And it's, you know, it's got such a, a bit of a somber tone at the end, but also, you know, um, strangely optimistic in terms of the sense that at some point we're all going to have to reckon with history and we can't keep avoiding it for, for much longer. Like we keep trying to bury it, but you know, the, the truth will, will come out. So yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting film. And there's also a, a fascinating subtext about motherhood and sacrifice, you know, and the, the way that uh, mothers can bond over many things. And then there's certain things that you would think would bring mothers together, but then you have individual um, individualism and selfishness that will tend to keep people apart when it really should be bringing people together. So there's a, there's a lot of layers to this film that I, I thought he pulled off quite well. Yeah. And Penelope Cruz, I, I was really impressed. She's, she's usually very quite impressive. Um, but this role demanded like a certain extra from her and she delivered, you know, there's, there is this incredible warmth that she does have to bring to it. There's this um, generosity and it's not like, not a, an overwhelming outgoing generosity. It's just sort of more of a generosity of spirit um, that has to be balanced against, you know, as you say, there's some selfish kind of thing, uh, considerations that happen. And uh, she is in a situation that, like I said, in another filmmaker's hands, you'd go, no, I can't, I can't. Um, But in this world, it's, it really gives her a chance to show off her talents and to, to stretch her abilities uh, just as much as Amundivar stretches the, the possibilities of this kind of narrative, because there were times when you're thinking, I know, I know exactly what's going on in this film and I know exactly what's going to happen. And then boom, you know, again, as you pointed out and then boom, he, he just 
adds a different level of something else. And that level isn't always logical and realistic, but that's that's not El Motivar, right? He, he, in this film, I think that the reason I was more fascinated by this one, and I, it's not, I'm not saying it's my favorite, but like I was completely enraptured by this one because he can, he can go from one to the other. He can go from fantastical to, to the more somber, realistic, uh, and he can balance them. There's so many things he's balancing in this film um, that it's it's almost it's almost a miracle that that he pulled it off but it that's what a, a you know a master filmmaker does yep. he just he throws these things up and he throws them in and it's like and then he, but he that's the thing it's not haphazard it looks at some points you're like what is going on and then you realize no when he ties it together it's like oh now this man is a genius he knows exactly what he's doing, and he his view of this subject, of this point of view, of this world is is beyond you know beyond what what I would have considered that like but beyond the ideas that I myself would have brought to the you know mm -hmm. so it it leaves you with a lot to think about. Yeah, and he's uh, he's also very good at getting the best out of his actors. Like when I think of Penelope Cruz's career, you know, I always think back to her Spanish language films and her work with Amadovar to really accentuate, you know, how gifted a performer she is. Because I know when she was first brought into the more of the American mainstream film industry, they tried to make her into a bit of a sex symbol, the the romantic love interest, but they they always kept short changing her in terms of her potential her characters never had much depth but then when she works with Almodovar you see layers so you know this film um Volvir is another perfect example yeah, like she yeah. just she, you know you put her with a a skilled director and she will absolutely shine but if you just kind of you know try and put her in a corner you you've wasted you've you've wasted her so it, it's a it's definitely a, a film that I would highly recommend seeing yes. and in a weird way it's it kind of fits perfectly with the other film that you uh, we were going to talk about today yes it does i was thinking my car it. because that's another film about coming to terms with the past and trying to um make sense of it right and it's just that whole kind of reckoning that it's tough to do uh i didn't it didn't click in until we were just talking about it. I'm like, yes, those two, it, it makes perfect yeah. sense that those two would be in theaters around the same time because they would make for a really interesting double bill. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So drive my car. Um, if, I'll just give you, you guys the details. If you haven't seen or haven't heard of it, if you haven't heard of it, um, it's <laughs> you've missed a lot because this film keeps winning accolades. Like uh, there's a, so, uh, all sorts of associations that keep awarding it, not just best international film, but best film, including uh, the Toronto Film Critics Association. They named it both international and best film. And it, uh, we first saw it at, at, the, at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. 
or we first heard of it coming out of there and it won three prizes including best screenplay um so there's a, a lot of there are a lot of elements that make this film so successful the director is Ryusuke Hamaguchi he adapted it from a Haruki Murakami short story and considering that it's adapted from a short story it's amazing how much detail there is in the film in in this film the drive my car it's about uh, a renowned actor and director uh, Yusuke and he is offered a chance to direct a production of Uncle Vanya at a theater festival in Hiroshima so he decides to travel there he's, he's still getting over the death of his wife two years prior um, but he he decides you know to go and to do some work and uh, one thing I should point out is is that it's interesting when we see him in a film at the uh, sorry in a play at the beginning of, of the film and when he puts on this production it's a multilingual one so just just seeing that like that's a bit of like moments of like documentary like where you, you see this action uh and you're I'm introduced anyway into this world where things are, are different, like putting on a theatrical production, right? Where people are speaking their own language and the subtitles are, are there up top. Anyway, that's, I just went off topic. So, so anyway, there there's a lot, lot of, there's yeah. a lot to unpack in this film. So it's okay. Yeah. So, so, okay. So he goes to Hiroshima and, um, the festival insists he drives. Okay, he drives his own, his beloved red Saab 900. As for all you car geek, geeks out there, he drives it uh, to Hiroshima. But when he gets there, the festival insists that he cannot drive it because there was an accident uh, involving another guest who harmed a person, and so they cannot have. They don't have the liability to cover that, so he must be driven around and after she passes a test this woman misaki when she when she finally passes his personal test he he starts to get used to the idea of having her chauffeur him around in his car uh so basically at that point the film is is like a road movie and so you the kinds of things that develop in a road movie you know, like characters growing through interrelationships, their interactions, like uh, how they influence each other. That's that starts to happen, and we learn a lot more about them. And uh, they start to really open up to each other, which also you know tends to happen in a road movie. But I don't mean that in a dismissive way. I just mean that like that's that's the base of the film, and then Hamaguchi does like incredible things with with the material like i said there's this attention to detail that allows us to go go more in depth into the into the individuals um, and there's this like rhythm that starts to happen between what they say what they don't say their pauses their silences their you know their conversation it's like a slow burn um, and and these details, it's like you see these two very different people living their own versions of quiet lives. Um, in each case, they reveal a very very personal story. Uh, but it, 
Hamaguchi makes it all build up and into this sort of epic. Yeah, it's like it's like an epic. It takes on the dimensions of an epic, which is what's so brilliant. You know, the brilliant focus just on these telling details that then give us something that is a, a much more a, a deeper statement about human beings and our interrelations with each other. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a film. it's a it's a fascinating film, and it's I'll say it's one of the films um, from 2021. You know, it's getting a wider release of uh, this week, but it's one of those films that I liked when I um, initially watched it, and it's probably the one that I've thought about the most. Like it just kind of festered into yeah, my brain yeah. that I constantly think back to. And part of it is just how it's all put together because this film, you know, the word epic that uses is quite fitting because this film is, is three hours. It's a three hour drama that doesn't feel like it's three hours uh, really? there. And it's one of exactly. those where yeah, it could have exactly. gone on even longer because there's exactly. <laughs> so many different layers. And, you know, this film is part of a, a trend that I've noticed recently where the opening credits don't come right at the beginning. So you're yes. 45 minutes in before the opening credits hit. And by that point, you're like, oh, wait, we haven't had the opening credits. And so much has already happened in that first 45 minutes. And then as the film goes on, you realize, oh, that's just to set you up for what's real. <laughs> like the film really starts at the 45 minute mark. But there's just yeah. so many layers to it because, you know, you have this renowned actor, director, uh, Yusuke, who is trying to move on with his life. But then you also get flashbacks to moments with his wife um oto and their relationship that they had and you can kind of see the the love the respect um but also there was tragedy in their relationship and then on top of that there was an adultery that occurred as as well and he's in hiroshima and we're working with this cast for the play and then comes across an actor um koshi who has ties to his ex, um, ex-wife Oto, right? And then that kind of creates another layer of, of tension. And, you know, how do you deal with the past? How do you move forward while grieving, but also still harboring anger that you never really let out in the first place? Uh, so there's just, it's just a wonderful yeah. mix of that. And then also you're learning about Hiroshima as well and the impact of of the bombing and how that you know influenced a whole generation and, and changed society so all of these things are happening in a really fascinating film that just moves <laughs> you know it's just yeah. the drama is interesting the situations are interesting the the um, relationship between um Yusuke and Misaki, the driver, is fascinating as well, especially since she's very much a kind of, I don't want to say gruff character, but she's just, she's confident in who she is. You know, she's there to do a job and she knows that she can do it amazing because driving cars is what she's really good at. Um, but she's so, also not used to talking. Exactly. About herself, right? Yeah. Which, uh, which, and he starts to break down her, her walls. Yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating film. Even how they did the play. And like, as you said, it's, yeah, you've got 
not only people who speak different language, but you have a key um, character played by a uh, hearing impaired actor. So the actors now have to figure out how do you go through like a script read with a person who's so you have to, you know, adapt to that, you know, make sure that the person who is hearing impaired has the, the cues or the, the beats needed so that she can then deliver her lines and how they bring the emotion and even how they go through the artistic process. Um, and it's, it's just a, a fascinating and layered film that, you know, there's been a lot of articles coming out recently talking about why it should also be nominated for best picture for the Oscars and not just thrown yes. into the international. And, and it's, it's valid. Like this is the type of cinema that is, is challenging in ways that don't seem obvious you know, just because of the length, people might not think of how layered and how much craft it takes to pull something like this off. But I, I think it, it does it wonderfully. But also because of the length, I really don't want anybody who's listening to think, oh, God, it's three hours. Never mind. You know, like it doesn't yeah. feel like three hours. And I'm not saying that because, you know, I've tried to sell the film to anybody. I'm saying that because you get to the end and you're like, wait a minute it it's already been three hours because as you said you could keep watching it mm-hmm. and how i usually frame it is now i'll ask someone what was the last film or what was the last show you've been binge watched right yeah and, and chance and you know what was the last show that you binge watched whether it be squid game or before whatever what was the last show that you binge watched and i guarantee you 10 out of 10 times, it will be much longer than this film. And you won't even have thought about it, right? So when I hear people say, oh, I can't do three-hour movies, it's like, well, you just binge watch an entire series. You can do a three-hour movie. It's just you can't do bad three-hour movies. <laughs> and I'll, I'll admit, I'm, you know, myself, as much as I, I love cinema, in 2021, there was a lot of two-and-a-half-hour films yeah. That didn't need to be two and a half hours, you know, House of Gucci. I can the stuff a whole bunch. So it's like they don't need to be. So those felt like really long experiences. This one, this one flew by. I was I was just so impressed and amazed by the craft that it, it just flew by. I know just now I, I took a little swipe at those who binge watch things in terms of the complaining about the the length. But if you are looking for yes, a show to yes. binge watch, that is fast pace i would like to recommend reacher which is um the new sh- series um that is now available on amazon prime it's only eight episodes but it is based on the popular character jack reacher uh he is the protagonist of many novels by lee childs he's got a whole series i think they've up to been like 24 books and also tom cruise made two cinematic adaptations um of of the same character so one was uh jack reacher which was a solid adaptation of of one of the books and then the the sequel he did was just absolutely terrible um but the tom cruise was a big fan of of the novels and when tom cruise decided that he was going to play the character there was a lot of backlash from the diehard fans because tom cruise physically did not fit the build of Jack Reacher, I would say he probably has more charisma than the character actually um, has in the books. But when you read the novels, 
Jack Reacher's size does play a, a huge role. And the novels, what makes the novel so great is that you could pick up any book in the series and they're, they're all self-contained stories. Even if certain characters pop in and out from different books, the, you know, someone called it uh, the perfect airplane type of read. And it's true. You could just, you're going on a trip somewhere or you want just a fun read. The, the premise is usually the same. Jack Reacher, he's an ex-military police officer who now essentially just roams America. You know, he doesn't have a location, doesn't have credit cards. He pretty much just has a bit of money, his passport. And he just goes from place to place, just touring America as he will. But of course, he always seems to come across trouble or trouble somehow seems to find him. And then he has to fix the trouble, usually with his hand, fist, some weapons, um, and move on to the, the next town. So for the Amazon series, Reacher, they take the first novel, um, The Killing Fields, and they essentially adapt that. And it's actually a really good adaptation. They have Alan Richson playing the lead role of Jack Reacher, and he's just a mammoth of a man. Apparently, he gained 30 pounds to, to play the role, and I'm assuming it was 30 pounds of extra muscle because he he's like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, just level of big. Um, and he, and he, he's kind of got that stone cold delivery that that works, that doesn't show too much charisma at the beginning. But then as the series uh, unfolds, you kind of start to see the Jack Reacher charm. And, you know, he goes to this small town. He's just there to look up an old blues um, legend that had been from there. So he wants to just, he's a big fan of blues and immediately he gets arrested for a murder that he knows he did not commit. And as things unfold, he realizes that one of the murder victims is actually his estranged brother, which gives him more reason to stay in the town and figure out what's going on. And that's all I will say from there. It's a really fast paced series. Like it's eight episodes. You'll, you'll fly through it. And, it's a, it's a solid adaptation. It's one of those things where you look at it and go, yes, you uh, doing it as a movie doesn't give it justice because you are, you can really get to know the character over eight episodes opposed to cramming stuff in for, for, for two hours. And it, you know, hits a lot of the, the beats from the book, but it's just a really fun series. And again, like the books, you don't have to think too deeply about it. Just go, you watch the mystery unfold. There's a lot of action um, and and that's all you need to know. But I would highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. And as I said, you you will plow through it. Wow. But sometimes that's all you need, mm-hmm. right? Something fast paced and fun. Yeah. And the, the mysteries is, is solid as well. Like, uh, you know, I had read the books a few years ago and I couldn't remember half the I remember certain things like I knew that, okay, something's going to take place at this particular building, but I could not remember who was the, the bad guy, let's just say. And it was fun kind of re- revisiting the story and, and going, was it this person? Or like, you know, I'm still getting caught up in the mystery, even though I know the story and I know ultimately how it's going to end. It was still fun to, uh, to watch it again as if I was watching it for the, the first time. Wow. Oh, that's great. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can go to the cinema, you can stream, lots to do here. Uh, A lot of great content out right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And uh, so that's it for us for Frameline for this week. 
Thanks for listening.